Welcome. Here at Waterstone, we invite you to find your story within God's bigger story. We are a church that lives for something bigger than ourselves and is passionate to proclaim and demonstrate the way of Jesus. In this series titled How to Pray, we're learning how to have conversations with God even when we're too skeptical or too scared to try. We're glad that you've joined us and hope that you're inspired by what you learn about the Lord's Prayer to talk to God in a different way than you ever have before. If you're interested in attending in person, our weekend services happen every week on Saturday evenings at 5 or Sunday mornings at 9 or 1030. Can I tell you a story about Colton's first time praying? So he grew up, unchurched background. His mom one night decided that she wanted Colton to bless their meal. And so she asked Colton, will you pray for tonight? And Colton being a very gregarious and outgoing individual was like, yeah, I can do this. So he looked at the noodles on the table and he said, Lord, thank you for this food. May it be good, raw men. <laughs> and that was his first prayer. This was before he came to Alpha, before any of that, and I think that his method of prayer is sometimes how you and I feel about prayer, where we are searching for words, it feels a little bit foreign, sometimes we hope there are noodles on the table so that we can just get out of that prayer as quickly as possible. But I think that there's also another side of prayer that you and I experience. And, and maybe prayer is a really familiar thing to you. Prayer is something that you engage in regularly, but it's also a place that you've experienced some really deep disappointment or confusion. These are prayers that you and I have prayed for altruistic and very good things. I know that, that I've personally prayed repeatedly for years for a dear friend to be healed with seemingly no response. And, and maybe you've experienced that same disappointment of asking over and over and over again for good things, things that aren't selfish, for people to be healed or saved or whatever it may be, and you've had no answer. Or, or maybe even worse, the answer has been no. And that leaves you with the question of why? Why pray? Why do we do an entire series on prayer? Isn't God sovereign so can we actually change his will? Can we influence that in any way, shape, or form? Why, why do we spend so much time in prayer? Why is it highlighted as such a priority in scripture if we've experienced such deep disappointment or confusion when there isn't an answer? Now, I don't know that I can fully answer the why of what prayers are and are not answered, but I think that we see throughout Scripture enough times believers who go back to prayer, who, who prioritize it, that it's worth us investigating. Why do we pray? I, I think we see that Christians throughout centuries, even non-believers throughout the last 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years, have prayed. There's something within us that knows that there's an important side to prayer. And I think that alone is worth us at least investigating. Why do we pray? Why are we doing a series on how to pray and investigating that here? So 
This morning, what we're gonna do is break out a little bit of the mold of the Lord's Prayer to look at two of the ways that Jesus demonstrated prayer in his own life and the way that he also taught his disciples to pray in a different way, to see why prayer is so significant. Because statistically speaking, Barna Research did a study about people who pray, and 82% of the population doesn't matter what your background is, doesn't matter what your belief system is, just 82% of people have prayed at least once in the last three months. There is something to prayer. And, and I think there is some power to prayer that we understand, even if we can't quite understand the yes and no answers that we get. So this morning, will you dive in with me as we look at how prayer changes things? and look at some of the biblical precedent that we have for the outline of prayer. The first thing we're gonna look at is how prayer changes you and me. How prayer changes us. And to do this, we're gonna go to the Garden of Gethsemane, where we find Jesus, who has gone with his disciples to pray, because he knows that there is something coming, and he is overwhelmed. He, he's asked his disciples, will you come? Will you watch with me? Will you pray with me? He is overwhelmed in this moment. And he knows that going to prayer is one of the best things that he can do. So we're gonna look at Matthew 26, verses 39 through 44, to see what he does. This is what it says. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, May this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed for the third time, saying the same thing. Now we all know what happens at the end of this story. Jesus comes back to his disciples sleeping and a few hours later, he's betrayed by one of them. After hours of prayer, prayer asking for this cup to be taken away. So how did prayer change Jesus? Well, I wanna look at two aspects of the story of how prayer can change us and, and things that we can learn about how to pray in this. First, prayer changed Jesus to conform to the will of the Father. This happened through alignment with God's will and submission to God's will. If we look back at the text, we see the first time that Jesus asks for this cup to be taken away. He says, my Father, if it is possible, take this away. And then we can guess that he spent about an hour praying and listening. This is part of the way that prayer changes us is we put our petitions there and we ask for the Lord to answer. But the second time that Jesus comes back, there is a subtle difference in the way that he prays where we can see that he is changed through prayer. He says the second and the third time, 
my father, if it is not possible, unless I drink this cup, may your will be done. See, Jesus went from a place of, if it's possible, please take this cup, but your will be done, to a place of, I understand that this may not be possible unless I do this, so your will be done. We see Jesus transitioning and being changed to the Father's will because of prayer. We align ourselves with the Father's will through prayer. And and through that alignment, we ultimately submit to whatever God has planned even if it's not exactly what we wanted. Because Jesus' prayer didn't ultimately change the outcome of his circumstance. He was still crucified and died and was buried. And yet, he was ready for what came. See, prayer, even if the answer is no, is still productive. It's still transformative. And that is part of what Jesus is teaching us in this time. Any baseball players or baseball fans out here? Some? So this is my softball glove from when I was eight years old. I played one season of softball, got my tooth knocked out, and never played again. But I remember the day my dad took me to get my very first glove. I didn't understand why it needed to go on my left hand, first of all, because I'm right-handed. And I remember putting my hand into this glove and my hand was paralyzed. I could not move this glove to save my life because the leather was so rigid. It was so hard for me to figure out how am I supposed to catch a ball when my hand is caught in an open place? Like I had to like close it with the other hand around a ball, which isn't very good for softball or baseball, turns out. But what I learned is that this is actually how baseball and softball gloves are designed. They are made of a tough leather that you have to continually move and manipulate. You have to break it in so that it functions well. Nobody puts on a baseball glove and expects to be an all-star because it's really hard to manipulate hard leather. It takes repeated times of submission to the will of the hand in order for it to finally move the way that it's meant to move. This is like us praying to conform to the Lord's will. We are tough leather in the hands of a mighty God, but this means there needs to be continual contact with the will of the Father bending us and molding us and shaping us so that we can work and move as we are intended to. Nobody puts on a glove for a game and expects that it's just gonna work. We know that there takes practice, that this takes consistently encountering the will of the Father, the will of the hand that moves the glove for it to become malleable. This is the way that prayer changes us. Just as a hand to a glove, we are changed through prayer. The second thing that we learn from this story is actually from Jesus' instruction to his disciples during his time of prayer. He comes back to them, seeing that they've fallen asleep, and he tells them, watch and pray so that you may not fall into temptation. 
This is the same that we see in the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation. Why does Jesus say this over and over again? Because prayer changes us. Prayer makes us more like Christ. It aligns us with his will. It aligns us with his character. And it keeps us from the things that would draw us away from him because prayer puts our gaze on the one true living God. And it's really hard to fall in temptation when your gaze is fixed upon the one who is true. This is part of the way that prayer changes us. And this is what Jesus was teaching his disciples through this time. See, prayer changed Jesus' will to conform to the Father's, and prayer changed or could change his disciples to resist the temptation that was set before them. See, although Jesus' prayer, again, did not ultimately change the outcome of that evening, it did change everything. He was aligned with the Father's will, and he was ready for what was coming for him. Even when an answer to a prayer is no, it is still productive and it is still transformative because prayer changes us. Now, there's another tension within scripture that we see because again, we can acknowledge, okay, but Jesus is God. I don't really, could he have gone against the Father's will? That's theologically difficult for me to work out. So, so what does this mean for you and I? How, how can prayer change other things? And I wanna look to a parable that Jesus taught his disciples where he was giving them another example of how to pray. This is through a persistent widow and we see this in Luke 18. This is what it says. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Second lesson about prayer. Prayer changes the world. For this widow, for this parable, we see that prayer changed her relationships. It changed her relationship with the judge, not so much that he had compassion on her, but suddenly he went from not acknowledging her existence to not being able to ignore the fact that she came back over and over and over again with the petition for justice. Prayer can change our relationships. Prayer can change the relationships within the world. But this happens through the second way that we see Jesus teaching his disciples about prayer. 
See, prayer changes the world according to God's character and according to God's mission through persistence and petition. The widow petitioned over and over and over again for justice. We petition the Lord for the things that are in alignment with his character and with his mission. We serve a God who is a just God. We serve a God who is a merciful God. When we pray, when we petition the Lord for the things that he is about, the things that we have seen in scripture, prayer changes the world. Prayer has the power to change, quite literally, war into peace. It has the power to change lives. God is about redemption. He is about bringing people to himself. So when we petition the Lord according to his character and according to his mission, prayer changes the world. But we also see that this widow demonstrated a persistence that I think you and I often lack. She did not relent, and over and over and over again, she petitioned for what she knew was in alignment with God's mission and his character. But what's really interesting that I wanna point out at the very end of this parable is that Jesus asks, when the Son of Man comes to earth, will he find faith? See, what this is saying is that the vitality of our faith is directly correlated with the activity of our prayer life. Let me reiterate that one more time. Prayer is directly connected to our faith. Have you ever given or received a gift on Christmas or maybe for a birthday or another holiday? And, and maybe you've been the recipient of a very flashy, exciting gift, or, or maybe you've given this to a child where they've been asking, please, 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 I really want this, and you're like, okay, this is the time. And so on Christmas morning, you have gotten your kiddo a remote control car. And they are elated because they've been waiting for this moment for this car that they've just been thinking about and they're so excited and you are so thrilled to give them this gift until you realize that you have suddenly made a miserable mistake by missing the caveat that is tiny printed on the very bottom of the box. It says this, next slide. Batteries not included. And all of a sudden the greatest gift becomes the worst day in their life because this gift that was so exciting, that had so much potential, is worthless. It's a facsimile of what it should be because now your kiddo is left to trying to push this car along the rails and it kind of works, but it's really not as entertaining as it should be and they are so disappointed. And the fact of the matter is, they never ask you for batteries that are like AA or AAA. It's always some obscure battery that you've never heard of. This one asks for C, J batteries, I don't even know what that is. And this is on Amazon right now. They have some sort of scheme, I'm convinced, where they're like, oh, we're gonna get more profit by this kind of battery. See, our faith is like this remote control car 
that, that needs batteries to really work as it should. And prayer is the battery that fuels our faith. See, our faith and, and the vitality of our faith is directly connected to the activity of our prayer life. See, we don't just take batteries and put them in the car for the moment so we can see how it should work and then take them out and hope that we can replicate somehow the movement of this car and the way it should work. No, we use the batteries in the car. We get the full enjoyment of what it means to use a battery-controlled car to its full extent. This is what we're being called to when, when God says, be persistent in your prayers. Keep the batteries in the car. Get your hands dirty in your faith and pray over and over and over again. He says, Jesus is giving us this parable so that we don't lose heart, so that we don't give up. In the Lord's Prayer, it says, pray for your kingdom to come. What Jesus is saying in this parable is pray for my kingdom to come. Pray for my justice. Pray for the things that, that my Father is about, the things that are in his character and in his mission. Pray persistently for these things. We would not use a car without batteries that we know is clearly intended to have those batteries. So why do we try to act in our faith without prayer? Why do we underestimate functionally <laughs> over and over again the, vi the vital importance of prayer to our faith? See, I think that, that we may be able to agree that prayer is important, but I want you to ask yourself the question, functionally, in my life, do I act like prayer is important? Or do I run to put batteries in the car for the really important moments and the rest of my life, it doesn't really matter. Prayer has the power to change the world. And you and I are called to pray persistently. Just as Paul puts in 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Now, the hard thing about this is it doesn't always mean the answer is going to be yes or what we want it to be. And, and I honestly cannot give you the reason or, or the formula for that, but I do know that when we pray, things change. And when we don't pray, nothing changes. See, I've seen this work here at Waterstone. Last January, January 2020, we gave you all these tiny cards where we asked you to identify one to three names that you would pray for according to an alarm that you set on your phone or maybe on your email or whatever it might be at 11.02 every day for a month. And this was in hopes of engaging these people in the kingdom uh, and eventually maybe even inviting them to Alpha. So for 30 days, we as a congregation committed to praying every single day at 11.02, persistently praying. The Alpha that launched in February last year is the largest Alpha that I have seen at Waterstone. It is the Alpha that had the most 
non-Waterstone and non-churched individuals at it because prayer made a difference. I've seen prayer change things through you all, persistently praying. See, we didn't do anything differently for that alpha. It was the same format, same videos, same kind of food. The only thing that was different, your persistent prayer. We can see this also throughout history, like the civil rights movement. It was founded on persistent prayer because prayer can change things. Prayer does change the world. And and sometimes prayer is changing us before it changes the world. Nikki Gumbel, who's the creator of Alpha, I think puts it incredibly well when we think about why some prayers are answered and why some are not and why we continue to pray. He talks about healing in this way. He said, before we started praying for healing, nobody got healed. Then we started praying for healing and sometimes some people got healed. I don't know about you, but I like the odds of sometimes and some people far more than no times and no people. Prayer changes the world. Prayer changes us. It can still be difficult when the answer is no, and I am not asking you to put that on the shelf. But I think what Christ has demonstrated in his own life and what he continually teaches his disciples is that we need to keep praying. We need to keep the batteries in the car because prayer will change things and it is ultimately in alignment with what he has called us to do. The last aspect of prayer that I just wanna briefly look at this morning is its individual and corporate nature. I think we all understand that individual side of prayer. We have practiced prayer and maybe in our bedroom, in our car, maybe here at church, and we understand what it means to pray ourselves. But there's another part of prayer that I think we miss a little too frequently, and that's the corporate nature of prayer. I mentioned before that Barna did some research about prayer uh, in 2017, and this is what they found about praying corporately. I want you to look at the last two praying people. Only 2%, 2% of the population prayed audibly with another person or group or prayed collectively with the church in the past three months. 2%. The irony of this is that the prayer that we've been studying over the last two weeks, the Lord's Prayer, is ultimately a corporate prayer. Our Father, give us, deliver us. It is meant to be corporate. And we miss this part of prayer because I think we get caught up in the idea that we have to be Shakespearean or we have to be using all of our SAT words or impressive in our prayer life. And the fact of the matter is, Jesus has called us to pray persistently, even if it's simple. Our Father who art in heaven, that is a simple prayer. The prayer Jesus prayed in the garden is a simple prayer. Prayer, the widow petitioning the unjust judge, that was a simple petition. 
But we need to continue to commit to praying with one another, not just by ourselves, because we, as the church, capital C, can commune. We can communicate with a living God who is just, who is loving, who is good. And he is the one who can change the world, but we need to commit to being obedient in our prayer lives. So this morning, what we're going to do together is pray. First, we're gonna start by praying the Lord's Prayer out loud together. We're gonna contribute to that 2% this morning. And then the second thing we're gonna do is you're gonna have an extended time of instrumental worship where there's gonna be a prompt on the screen. And this prompt ultimately comes from an app that I've talked about many times, Lectio 365, where they use an acronym called PRAY. And it's just a great way for us to go from the scattered senses of everything happening to really connecting with God to praying for the people around us, to petitioning. Remember, prayer changes us, and prayer changes the world. It may not be immediate, it may not always be seen, but it's what we're called to as believers. So in that time, there's gonna be a prompt on the screen, and I just invite you, just try. If you've never prayed before, Try praying, try following that prompt and see what the Lord does. If you're at home, I wanna invite you to pray the Lord's Prayer out loud with us. You can be in this room, you are part of the church and I wanna invite you to pray that with us and then take that time to pray at home by yourself. So, will you all pray the Lord's Prayer with me? It'll be on the screen. Our Father, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen.